This is Wrecked to Reformed. Welcome back to Wreck to Reform Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Adkins. And today, if you haven't noticed, we have a guest. <laughs> Our guest today is Greg Moore from Dead Men Walking Podcast. How are you, brother? Good, Randy. Thanks for having me on. And I just have to say, uh, you have one of the coolest podcast names. I wish I would have thought of it. Wrecked to Reformed. What a great, succinct uh, kind of explanation of our theology in just three words. Amen. Amen. And it's funny because I didn't come up with the name. A friend of mine did. Oh, and, uh, yeah, let's give them credit. <laughs> right? That was Robbie Pence of Post Mill and Practice. Good job, Robbie. Yeah, yeah. He he helped me out a lot. He helped me with the uh, the intro, not the intro, but the uh, the Graphic. graphics and everything. Yeah. yeah, he was he's really good at that kind of stuff, and I keep trying to get him to do more of that. But uh, we'll see in the future. So, brother, today we have you on to talk about a recap of the conference that we just got back to. And I don't know, something just smells like the conference, too. It's, <laughs> yeah, like it's probably both of us here. Yeah, yeah. That there we Jeffrey go. Jeffrey Rice rebind, man. Yeah, but you got, ah. the, you got the cool one and you won it. I mean, seriously, that's what yeah. everyone was hoping to win there. They, I mean, the, 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 you know, the, the, um, concordances are nice and you know, the commentaries, but man, to get a Jeffrey Rice rebind and they pulled your ticket. I was like, Oh, I could have went to a cooler dude. I appreciate that. Um, man, it, I was not at all expecting that. I was absolutely surprised. My wife, she's like, that's us. That's us. And I was like, no way. <laughs> so what is, what did he use on that one? Is that a, it's a cowhide. It looks like full grain, uh, full grain. Um, he yep. was telling me about it, but I don't remember everything he said about the, the cowhide, but it is a legacy standard Bible. Yep. Which is my favorite translation. Yeah, that's what I that's my daily is LSB now. So he yeah. uses a he uses a real premium uh cowhide to where unlike some leathers that get hard over time, the natural oils in your hands will actually soften that up right. a little bit. So although it seems a little yeah. stiff now, yeah. If you can't tell. It's, it's very much now. See, very, I like, I like that too. It's like minimalist. There's no stamping on the back. Yeah. Um, he did like a quarter yap on the sides. I'm not an expert, but I just got really into it. Yeah. Yep. Everyone who's watching can see that. Oh, cool. And he did the tricolor ribbons. He uses a really nice thick yeah. ribbon too. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, they're That's really just a good cool. looking Bible, man. That thing will travel well with you wherever it goes. Oh yeah. It'll go with me everywhere. <laughs> so, so tell me, what was your uh, what was your favorite aspect of of kind of kind of give us a, a recap of the of the conference and everything? Sure. What, so, what yeah, you and I were down at Y Calvinism in Tullahoma, Tennessee. Uh, yeah. That was uh, I got there on Wednesday night. Did you get in Wednesday or Thursday morning? I, I was there Wednesday. I went to the, uh, the pre conference. Yeah, because I feel like I saw you there Wednesday night, right? Yeah. Uh, and I apologize if I don't remember just all the days run together. You know how that is. And you're meeting different people and talking. I had Leighton flowers on and I said, Oh, when we met yesterday and he goes, that was two days ago. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I went down there. Um, it was why Calvin is why Calvinism is important. Why that theology is important for today. And it was three days of, I think we had 12 speakers and it was pretty phenomenal. I mean, guys like Jeffrey Rice, who put it on, uh, Haps Addison, Braden Patterson, they're all from the Open Theology podcast, and they pastor different places. You had Kevin Hay, you had Dr. Jane White, you had Keith Fosky of Conversations with the Calvinist, you had Austin Keeler from the Holy Nope channel, uh, also a, a missionary and pastor. You had Andrew Rappaport from Striving for Eternity. Um, I'm probably yeah. leaving someone out. Oh, Dr. Michael Schultz. A pastor, yeah. young guy who's just phenomenal, um, just guy after guy after guy who really, I told them, I said, I, I'm sitting among the next generation of James White's and R.C. Sproul's and John MacArthur's right now. And I said that yeah. in all seriousness, because these brothers study and they find themselves approved. And it, it's really phenomenal 
uh, how they could just be consistently on and exegete the word properly compared to some of the churches that I visit and see. And you get that 10, 10 to 20 minute TED talk and there's really no digging into the word. So uh, probably right. my favorite part was obviously hearing those guys preach and, um, and, and sanctify us and, you know, just, just really preach the word of God. But also, I mean, the after, after the conference is fun, you know, you and I were hanging out, we'd hang out between sessions, you know, you're, right. you're you get to sit there and just talk to James White and, you know, Leighton Flowers walk, you know, what this was, Keith Foster right. doing his skits. And then you go out to dinner and you have more conversation. And then Jeffrey Rice put all the speakers and the MC. I was the MC of the event up in two Airbnb houses and we'd all gather. You'd have 15 guys till 2, 3 a.m. We're arguing about dispensationalism and covenant theology. And of course, they'd pick on me as the Presbyterian for baptism and I'd have to defend right. that. And, you know, I'd go, guys, we got to get up in two hours. What's going on? You know, so it's that camaraderie, that fellowship among brothers in the Lord that those type of yeah. conferences uh, are, are just spectacular. And I really, really enjoyed that. Oh, Claude Ramsey spoke too. How could I forget Claude Ramsey of Here I Stand Theology Podcast, a uh, uh, beloved right. brother of the Lord. Absolutely. Yeah, Claude, he's uh, he's actually going to be teaching tonight um, at 8 p.m. on Passing the Torch. There you go. So, yeah, no, it's it, it's, it was a blast. Um, of course, I got to accidentally walk into your tripod that didn't have anything on it. So. <laughs> doesn't matter right yeah I, you know what's funny like, oh, is no. people people get really weird about that the guests do because i've taken my little mobile setup to like four fight laugh feasts a couple of these tullahoma ones uh, down to g3 and i'll just set up you know i record on an iphone 15 and 4k i run a wire to my roadcaster so you've got nice. probably 10 or 12 feet between the camera you know i've had people I've had someone on and they just start, I'm talking to them like this back and forth and they'll just come up and shake their hand. Hey, and, and the guests will go, Oh, I'm on a podcast right now. And they, <laughs> and some people get really upset. And I go, you want to what? It's all part of the live experience. I've had people walk past the camera, little kids playing in front of it. As long as the audio is good, you don't have to look at my ugly mug or, or the guests <laughs> for that matter. Uh, so I, I rather enjoy it. I kind of feel like it gives it that live feel. We're right there on site. We're just popping in doing interviews and it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, I just listened. I think it was, I started it yesterday and I finished it this morning. The, the podcast you put out with, um, Jeremiah Nortier, mm. uh, Andrew Rappaport and James White. Yeah. And it was, it was really good. Man. So, well, thank you for that. And there's yeah. a prime example of, of me losing my mind too, because you can tell if you uh, watch that on YouTube, it just goes to a picture of Andrew Rappaport for 25 minutes because I totally forgot to record any video for that. <laughs> and we get done and he goes, isn't there usually a camera up there? And I went, well, looks, <laughs> you won't be on camera. You're just going to have a, so you just, you know what I mean? It's just a lot of moving parts. So yeah, oh, you're yeah. bumping into a, a, a tripod with nothing in it. Uh, no big deal. But right. uh, yeah, that, that was, I mean, Jeremiah Nortier is a guy that I just met this year and he, I can already tell, uh, you know, uh, the apologetic dog is his YouTube mm -hmm. channel. Go check him out. Uh, yeah. is going to be one of those guys where I will probably be friends with for a long, long time to come. Right. Yeah. I, I was actually, I was talking to him and he's, he's very encouraging. Yeah. Um, and he's got one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult, uh, ministries as a, I think he said a hospital chaplain or a hospice yeah. chaplain. Yeah. One, one of the two. Um, I think it, I think it was hospice when I said, cause I went out to dinner with him and a couple of the guys he came down with one night and, right. uh, met him for pizza. And I think that's what he said. And uh, his guys, you know, he just planted a church. Um, mm -hmm. He's been a pastor for quite a while, but they just planted a church and boy, it's slipping where he's from. Do you remember where he's from? Gosh, like is it somewhere, maybe South Carolina, something like that. I don't know. Uh, maybe not. Maybe somewhere I'm far not away. sure. I anyway. just heard it. <laughs> well, Jeremiah, if you're listening to this or listen to this, sorry. I forgot where you're from, but, um, he's got a great story too, but, um, really brought the word very, very, uh, knowledgeable on eschatology. Of course, in that episode you're referring to, we talked about pre uh, full preterism and the dangers of that. Dr. Sam Frost was there as well. Got to interview him about that. That's kind of his expertise as someone who's come out of that. That was the pre-conference where you and I met the first night. So all around, yeah, the conference I think was good. It grew by 30% year over year. 
We're already mm-hmm. seeing it's probably going to grow by another 50% next year. Next year is going to be on sanctification. What that is, what that means, how it's applied. It's going to be a very good conference next year, February, 2025. Yeah. I, I if I'm not mistaken, the, the name of that conference or the title of the, of the conference is going to be, uh, how now shall we live? I mm. Well, you know more than I do, or or at least I wasn't paying attention when someone told me, but yeah, that, that's a perfect name for it. Right. I think Haps told me about that. There you go. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And, and yeah, Haps, Haps spills all the secrets early. So that's a good guy to know. He'll tell you everything <laughs> that's going on for as You're supposed to know. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to prepare and, uh, and do some behind the scenes work there as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it was a blast, man, just getting to talk with everybody and, and a lot of the, the attendees, my goodness, the, these are brothers in the Lord from, from all over the place. Um, yeah. and they're just, you know, they're there because they're, they, they like theology. They like to know what is it that the Bible says on these topics and, uh, and, and not just get the shallow Ted talks and, and, and stuff that doesn't really dig into the word like you were, you were talking about before. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's been a blast. Um, still I will be smelling this Bible every day for the rest <laughs> of my life, <clears throat> yeah. but, uh, but that, that kind of leads us into, uh, to how, if you could let the, the, the listeners know, how is it that the Lord brought you, uh, from, uh, childhood into, in, to Christ and then into what you're, what you're now doing. And if I'm not mistaken, you're also um, connected with the guys at the fight, laugh feast, aren't you? Yeah. So I just joined their network, uh, geez, probably only three, four or five months ago, something like that. But I've been to every single fight, laugh feast, uh, since they started them in the, uh, fall of 2020. That's a funny story. Cause my podcast was only six or seven months old at that point. And I called up Gabe, uh, wrench, who's one of the guys on cross politic who does the fight, laugh feast, uh, yeah you know, um, conferences said, Hey, can I bring down my podcasting equipment? He's like, well, no one else is doing that. I don't even know who's going to show up, but yeah, go ahead. And I brought it down. They put us right next to the door. Uh, everyone thought it was our conference. 1500 people showed up because it was COVID and we were like, Hey, we need something to do. And they were like, we're not shutting down. So it was a real boost (laughs) for the podcast. I kept going, no guys, guys, I'm, I'm just podcasting here. I just want to get some interviews, you know, but that, right. that kind of really jump-started us. It legitimized the podcast. We had Doug Wilson on, Jeff Durbin, Gary DeMar, uh, Marcus Pittman, uh, James White, uh, the cross-politic guys. I mean, for a newer podcast to have some of those names on, it was really nice to to uh, have them kind of legitimize us and been friends with those guys ever since. Um, and actually, um, I just had a call. I think I'm going to be uh, guest hosting cross politic in a few weeks while those guys are on uh, vacation. So we're, I'm thinking up some stuff to uh, bring to the show so we can have a little fun there. But um, going back to uh, kind of my testimony, uh, you're going to have to do a fresh 10 on that. (laughs) I I had that idea. I said, I'll do a fresh 10 and ask someone some questions or maybe have some names, some bigger names call in and get, you know, I was thinking, uh, maybe go, you know, normally I wouldn't call in, but since it's you, Greg, I don't like talking to those other three guys, you know, have some fun with it. I don't know. We're <laughs> throwing around some ideas with the producer, but I'm pra- I probably let too much out of the bag already, but, um, so yeah, I love those brothers. Love those brothers. Oh, look at that. You get a sneak peek right here on, um, rec to, uh, reform. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, so my story is, and I'll make it concise because I'm a talker, so I won't go too long. And, and if you listen to my podcast for any length of time, I probably, you know, repeated it 20 times, but uh, grew up in a uh, non-denominational, but when looking back, kind of a fundamentalist legalistic church. We mm-hmm. were kind of part of that Bill Gothard movement uh, in the late 80s, early 90s for a few years. And then, you know, when I was like 12 years old, I I was taking piano lessons. I was, my teacher was teaching me Keith Green. My, my um, pastor sat me down and said, you know, Keith Green is, you know, satanic music. It's has drum beats in it. You know, it was kind of one of those things. He's, he's, he's the <laughs> king of Christian contemporary music, uh, you know, from the seventies and eighties. And if you know anything about Keith Green, that's about the farthest thing from the truth ever. If you've read his book, no compromise, it's a pretty amazing book and testimony. Now I don't agree with him theologically and some other stuff, but he would, you know, he brought Leonard Ravenhill in and would have like, you know, sermons and church meetings with young teens. He bought up 25 houses, just really had a heart for the Lord anyway. Mm. So kind of had that upbringing. No, didn't watch any, you know, secular movies, uh, no secular music, kind of sheltered 
uh, mm. growing up from the, you know, from the time I was born to probably like 12 years, 12 or 13. And then uh, from about 14 until 18, went to a very Pentecostal non-denominational. They used to have a Baptist name, then they dropped that, went non-denominational, and then went nuts to where, you know, we they had people coming out from Bethel uh, prophesying oh, over people and and gold falling from the ceilings and, you know, feather, God, you know, godly feathers and all this stuff. So had a wide range of theology growing up, right? Like from right. very, very conservative to very, very liberal, uh, meaning in the scholarly sense, not the political right. sense. And then um, uh, my parents got divorced when I was 14. I went back to high, I was homeschooled my whole life, went to high school uh, in my, my junior year. That was kind of a culture shock. I just could not believe how people acted and talked to teachers and just skipped out on mm -hmm. school. And in, in, in between that, it was kind of um, just a free-for-all. Uh, looking back on it, I was probably dealing with the hurt and pain of a divorce, of depression, of uh, abandonment, all those things that um, instead of turning to Christ, I turned to drugs and sex and alcohol. And um, I was in a band that was nationally touring and or I'm sorry, regionally touring, but looking to do a national tour and all these things, just, just hating God, sticking my middle finger up to him, understanding mm -hmm. kind of. Uh, had a head belief of who God was, but not a heart belief, right? So I, right. I had said the sinner's prayer at seven, but I always say I was saved at 24 because then at 24, God took everything from me within about a 48-hour period. Um, my then girlfriend of eight years, my job, my band, my place to live, my driver's license, money, I had nothing. I remember laying on a mattress uh, in Detroit in a loft uh, and just sobbing and going, well, do I still have Christ? And at that moment, that next day, I had, I felt almost an instantaneous change of how I viewed God, um, who He was, and and what He was trying to what He was going to accomplish in my life. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, from there, moved back in with my parents in my early twenties for about a year. Um, my then girlfriend, which is my now wife of seventeen years, she <laughs> was not doing all those crazy things. And after we broke up, decided she was going to go and do those crazy things. So, had a mm. period of two years where I just prayed every day, dug into the Word, dug into Scripture, prayed for my ex girlfriend that I was standing in faith that she was going to be my wife one day. Um, and through that process, started to really look at Scripture instead of the traditions I was taught going, what does the word of God say plainly? Let's Amen. take the Pentecostal film uh, lens off. Let's take the you know fundamental lens off and just see what it says. And really started to read it. And some of the questions I had when I was a kid uh, started to come through in scripture. When I started reading Hebrews and who Christ was and Romans and how he chooses and John and Ephesians and going, what is this whole new world? Right. Amen. And I started listening to um, or started getting newsletters from a guy named Dave Hunt, who was an apologetist. He's since passed. He would send me a newsletter, like a physical newsletter. It was still 2000, whatever it was, right. eight or six or whatever. But who's sending physical newsletters, right? So I'd read it. And I go, man, this guy really argues the word of God. And he said, I, I have a Bible or I have a, a book out. And I did it with this other guy and it's debating this thing called Calvinism. And I'd heard of Calvinism growing up, but they were like weirdos that didn't really believe in God and in heretics. So I did paid it no attention, but at the same time I'm reading through the Bible and I'm going, what are, what is this election? What is this predestination? What is this grace? Can I reject God's grace? Because I feel like I rejected it for as long as I could until he forced me to become saved. Like he grabbed me out of my sin, you know? So I'm wrestling yeah. with all these things, not knowing the terminology or the theology. I get a hold of this book with Dave White and the rebuttal of the, the pro Calvinist side is a guy named James White. And I had mm -hmm. no idea who this James White guy was. And I went, well, Dave Hunt is clearly going to wipe the floor with this James White guy. Because <laughs> this bald-headed guy with these little horn rim glasses looked like a little geek with his, uh, you know, <laughs> with his sweater vest on or whatever, Coogee that he had on. Oh, I get halfway through the book, Randy, and I'm going, everything this James White guy's saying is what I'm experiencing in the word right now. Yep. What is this? I think I agree with this James White guy. So I told James that story too. I said, you know, you're, you're the one that got me with that debating Calvinism. For, so from there, I started diving into the reformed kind of traditions, right? And as soon as I started learning church history, which I had never really been taught, we dabbled a little bit in homeschool with Jonathan Edwards. It was like, yeah, he wrote a famous, you know, um, a famous sermon. Uh, but in yeah, the hands of an angry God. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but we, we don't really agree with him on a lot of his theology, but he's notable, right? And then when church history opened up to me, I went, hold, hold on a second. 
you know, uh, the, the most famous hymn of all times is from a reformed guy, John Newton. Mm -hmm. uh, the the uh, references that I'm using and the uh, commentary I'm reading by Matthew Henry, he was a reformed guy. Wait a minute. The, the book I read growing up, uh, you know, Pilgrim's Progress, uh, that was a reformed guy. Wait a minute. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, was a reformed guy. Wait a yeah. minute. The most popular sermon ever given in America was a reformed guy. Wait, and you just go, <laughs> oh my goodness. My belief system of Pentecostalism or even fundamentalism had only been around for about 150 years. I didn't even right. understand the whole church history of 2000 years of this rich reformed theology of doctrines of grace and Calvinistic and all this. So do dove into that was a really big watcher and just devourer of RC Sproul stuff. I got oh, yeah. really mar marked my life. I was absolutely uh, just, just devastated when he passed. I really wanted to have a conversation with him and get to sit down with him. Never got to cause he, cause he really did a number on bringing these big philosophical ideas down to a nice, you know, layman level to where I could understand them. So right. anyway, uh, working through that for two years, the, my testimony could go on for two hours. So I'm going to try to shorten this up. <laughs> Lord miraculously brings my ex-girlfriend back as a wife. We, my wife, we get married. We've been married 17 years. We have three children. We're believers. Awesome. And then from there, uh, was like a closeted Calvinist for like eight or nine years. Like I understood the theology. I believed it, but boy, was I scared to even say anything because, you know, I just had that stigma of like, man, they're not even really <laughs> believers, you know? And then right. probably my early thirties went, nope, that, that's exactly what it is. It's the word of God. And from there, um, just really had, and then even in my thirties, having trouble finding a church that we aligned with doctrinally, there isn't very many reformed churches in Southeast Michigan. Right. And then just recently, uh, th about three years ago, settled on a Reformed Presbyterian Evangelical Church that we absolutely love, that um, do almost 95% doctrinally line up with. There's always a few things that, oh, yeah. you know, secondary issues that you're not going to line with. But it was one of those things where it's it's been a long journey, it feels like. You know, some guys go, oh, I was this. Now I'm Reformed. I'm in a Reformed church. I'm a 1689 Baptist. Boom. Year and a half later. And it's like, it's taken me 15 years to, to go from, you know, understanding it publicly saying that's what I identify with to then finding a church to where you feel like you align in those things. So, uh, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Sorry. I hope that wasn't too long. It was like a 20 no, no, minute. No. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. And it is, it, it kind of reminds me of it's very similar to mine, my testimony, only I am the, the, you know, year and a half reformed Baptist, you know, Type, there you go. Type 1689 guy. Uh, <clears throat> so that in that part, that's that's kind of funny. So where um, did you come out of? Like, what were you saved before? Were you not? Were you in church? What, like, give me your background. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was homeschooled. Okay. I went to public school for like two or three years, and then my mom took us out because I started getting fights with the the bullies because I was always the the anti bully guy. Um, I never liked bullies at all, and. Uh, so when they tried to bully me, I tried to fight back. And so my mom's like, nope, taking y'all out of school. So we were homeschooled. Uh, and I was basically done with, with school by the time I was 16. But in, in the meantime, we were kind of in and out of a one is Pentecostal church. Ooh, okay. And a, yeah, so no gospel. And then a very liberal Baptist church. Again, no gospel. Really, the only gospel I remember is the, the very uh, Roman Catholic-esque uh, movie and that was the passion of the christ so that was the really the only gospel that i ever understood but i didn't i didn't trust in christ uh and yet my whole life because i was baptized in a in a one pentecostal church um i called myself a christian and i was living just like the rest of the world i was chasing all the things of the world i was living in sin you know uh sleeping with girlfriends and, and all this kind of stuff and by the time I was 28, I think, or early 28, um, that is when God crushed me. So I was working at a cemetery. I had worked there for like seven years. I left for a year and then I came back. And um, I started feeling like I was having chest pains. And so I had my, my friend that was working with me. He rushed me to the hospital. I actually had to tell him slow down because he was doing like, 50 or 60 and a 25. We get to the hospital and uh, they rush me in there. They hook me up to all these EKGs and everything. And there's like uh, all this 
stuff. They're sending me in this tube and they're doing x-rays and everything. And finally, hours later, I'm sitting in the hospital room and the doctor comes in. And he's like, uh, well, it doesn't have anything to do with your heart. And so I'm thinking, OK, cool, because I'm starving and I want to go home and eat. He's like, nope, you're not going anywhere. There was a perforation in the esophagus. So there was like a hole that was bleeding air into my chest cavity. It's a very fancy word called pneumomediastinum. I learned that uh, while I was in the hospital because uh, <laughs> it was something that just stuck with me. And so uh, very dangerous condition. So the doctor said, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to wait three days, no food, no water. We're going to hook you up to uh, IVs and liquids. And after those three days, three days, you know, they're going to do what's called a barium swallow and do an x-ray from your mouth all the way down to your stomach to see where that perforation or hole is. And uh, in those three days, of course, I hate needles, absolutely hate needles. And they had <laughs> me hooked up to an IV, right? Yeah. And uh, so I didn't hardly move this arm because I, I thought that they still had needles, like the metal needles in your arm. And I was afraid of, you know, doing something and messing it up. Uh, so I hardly moved my my right arm at all. I knew so little about the Bible, theology, Christianity, that I had Mormons come pray for me. And that will do you no good at all. And so um, during those three days, I just I didn't know how to pray, what to pray. I just prayed, God, please don't let me die. And by the third day when they did the barium swallow, they couldn't find a hole. It was gone. Yeah. So praise God for that. And that is what led me because I was absolutely terrified. I knew that if I died in that state, I would go to hell. It's by the sheer grace of God. And so I was I was absolutely afraid. I was terrified. So I started seeking who this Jesus was. And it was very much kind of like you said, um, I ran from God. I didn't want that life. I didn't want God. I didn't want the things of God. Um, I wanted what I wanted. I wanted my sin. I wanted fame. I wanted all the garbage that the world had to offer. And then when God grabbed a hold of me, he turned me, he, I did a 180. I left all that behind. Um, I was in network marketing and, and all this kind of stuff. And I just, I just turned my back on all of it. I was in acting and just praise God. I thank yeah. God for those three days in the hospital every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing how we have two choices when we're in a valley, right? Mm -hmm. uh, most Christians go, first thing they pray is, Lord, get me out of this. <laughs> well, well, right. Help me, help me, help me out of this. Why am I in this, right? Mm -hmm. To where the wise and discerning and sanctified Christian goes, Lord, how can you be glorified in this? And what are you trying to teach me? Amen. Right? And um, yeah, I just got my uh, my second copy of Valley of Vision. Uh, book oh, from man. Ligonier Ministries in, and I would encourage anyone, uh, if you're ever in a valley or on a mountaintop, uh, metaphorically speaking, in, in your walk with Christ, open up that book and read that and see how those guys prayed, because it will rock your world, man. Some oh, of yeah. the stuff in there, and you just go, oh, wow, I'm praying wrong. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, these guys like cut off my hands and gouge out my eyes if I, you know, uh, if I look <laughs> at anything except Christ, and you're like, yeah, they're serious. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it kind of talks about the, the, the depth of what, what are you really doing? You know, when you're reading the Bible, are you reading it to, to be able to later argue your point or are you reading it to really get to know the one who spoke it? Yeah, true. And yeah, a lot of times people will ignore the fact that we're, we're sovereignly brought through valleys for a purpose. It's for our good. It's for God's glory. And I mean, the book of Job will just hammer that that point home every time you read it. So, yeah, Job, Psalms, yeah. Uh, Daniel. I mean, it's like, like, yeah, think of all the all the stories too. you know, in the word of God that just uh, yeah, that that applies, you know, mm. um, and the fact where David, even some some spots, he's it's him talking to his own soul like, hey. Buck up, buddy. Like the Lord's going to rescue us. Don't worry. You know, it's, <laughs> right? it's just, it's just crazy. And then on top of that, you know, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. 
I look back on those times in life that were hard and I'm going through something and I went, wow, but I never, I've never felt closer to Christ except yeah. in those times. And I think honestly, not to get off subject here, but I've talked about this before on our podcast. Uh, I think that's one of the major issues we have in Western Christianity is we just have too much. We are David counting our armies. Uh, right. We have too much food. We have too much, you know, shelter. We have too much entertainment and there is no, we've been, we're, we're, we're generations removed from daily reliance on God. And it does us a really disservice because yes, the Lord loves to bless his children and he does bless us and he loves us. But at the same time, how quickly we can take, you know, material blessings and uh, physical blessings and things like that and turn that into an idol and yeah. go, Oh, we don't, well, God, God's just the guy we check in with on Sundays or maybe a couple times a week at night when we pray with the wife or kids. And, I tell you what, go over to China right now in the persecuted church, go over to Turkey, go over to Yemen where 28 mm -hmm. Christians were beheaded last year in Yemen. Right. Those guys, you know, they're like, you, you got the new SD card that has the, you know, book of Ephesians on it. Uh, I got to right. listen to it, memorize it and they're sneaking it. You know what I mean? Cause, and it's like, all they want to feast on is the word of God. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's pretty amazing. And who knows, maybe uh, through the judgment of God on this country and the refining of the church through uh, evil laws, uh, mm -hmm. there'll be a purge. And there, we saw that in COVID, and I think we're going to see it again going into the future to where the true believers are always strengthened under persecution. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, the ones that are playing church, they fall away, and they conform, yeah. and they don't come back, and they don't hold their trust in Christ. But those that truly do are always strengthened in persecution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I was I was pastoring a church in 2020 and um, they decided to close down for, you know, five or six months. I think it was and for no reason. Just this was <laughs> what some denomination that we weren't even associated with is doing. And that's what they were going to do. And they, they had closed down before they had even contacted me. Wow. And so I was like, Wait, uh, you're the pastor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I resigned and yeah. I was like, this is, this is a, a decision made out of fear, not out of faith. This is unbiblical because, you know, we had shut down at first because we just didn't know. No right? one knew. Yeah. Right. And so within that first week I was like, yeah, this is a sham and we should have never closed. So we opened back up and I, and I told him, I was like, I'm not ever in favor of ever closing again for any reason. If, uh, if Martin Lloyd Jones could preach during a bombing, Right. We can, we can stay open during Sunday. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I gave, I gave most churches like a three to four week grace period. In that first three to four weeks, we're figuring it out. We're trying to get some facts. I mean, I'm a, I'm a County commissioner and the uh, state health board was giving us, giving our County health board uh, direction through the CDC. And literally in February, they started out and they said, no one wear a mask. It actually hurts uh, with, mm -hmm. um, you know, the molecules get caught in the mask. You can make yourself more sick. Second right. week in February, wear a mask. Third week in February. No, no, we're back to don't wear a mask. I mean, these are actual mandates coming down to my County board that I'm supposed to submit to the sheriff and to the, you know, to the County board. And a lot of people don't realize the CDC didn't know what the heck it was doing in the first month. It was right. yes, no. All right. And then once the information came out, uh, anyone with half of a brain, and I know that because I'm not smart and I have half a brain <laughs> and I could see you go, okay, this is in the Corona family. It's probably a little more uh, serious than the flu, but not much more. Let's keep right. it away from people who have comorbidities or, you know, or are older. Heck, I don't even go to my grandma's house if I have the flu, but pre COVID right. just, yeah. you know, older people, you know, with their immune system and you went, okay, this is going to be over in about three or four weeks. And mm -hmm. then when you saw the level of the government push that, and then the churches just jump on board and go shut down. And it's because you got to realize too, for years, for 10 plus years, most evangelical churches have decided that a YouTube stream is the same thing as church. Think about pre, think yeah. about pre COVID. Right. Were you, I mean, you might not have personally been in a church, but I, I was, and I guarantee I heard, I've heard pastors from the pulpit pre COVID go. And if you can't make it for those of you who are watching on YouTube, raise your hand. You know, he's given a salvation message to people watching a live stream. They're not even in church. So yeah. 
this was all prepping for that. So when you have people, when you have Christians and pastors not even understanding the ecclesiastical gathering of the church, and then something like this happens where the government goes, oh, by the way, for everyone's safety, we got to shut down. I understood the natural progression. Most churches go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We have to, because they don't, those churches didn't, pre-COVID, didn't even understand why, they're, why they are gathering and why it's right. important for them mm-hmm. to gather in person, which it sounds yeah. like where you're kind of coming from when you have a elder board or a group of people go, oh, by the way, we're shutting down. You're like, oh, you're not going to tell the pastor. I'm right. Dang church. What's going on here? Yeah. And, and it, it kind of goes to another point that, you know, when, when we're gathering for worship on Sunday morning, it's more than it's, it's nothing less than worshiping the one and true and living God, but it's also for accountability. It's also for that iron sharpening iron. It's also for, you know, if your pastor sees you in sin or another church member member for that matter, then they need to go to you in private and then do that, that Matthew 18 um, church discipline. You can't have that when you're online because these people don't know you. Yeah. Oh no. The the accountability is a huge part of it too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I told this story just this last weekend. I had, I had my, the founding pastor, we just went from our founding pastor to our new head pastor. Uh, but our founding pastor, um, came up to me a couple of weeks ago He's a, and we have six to 700 people in the church, but they're very big on accountability, hospitality. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I could be at a dinner every night at someone's house from my church. If I said yes to all of them, it's just, you know, I do have awesome. other things to do, but anyway, he said, he said, Greg, I go, what? And he goes, you sit on the county board, don't you? I go, yeah. He goes, what What did you do in the last two weeks to proclaim Christ on that county board? And I was like, well, you know, I'm conservative. I passed some resolutions. He goes, no, 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 no. What did you do on that county board to proclaim Christ? Do the other seven county commissioners know that you proclaim Christ? And what? And I go, uh, I don't know. I, you know, we passed a budget, a $52 million budget. That's about, you know. And I start launching into stuff I've done in the past. And he goes, that's great that you did that in the past, but what have you done recently? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man. And then he's like, and you're in real estate, right? And I go, yeah. Because you have clients right now? I go, yeah. He goes, what <laughs> have you done to exemplify Christ? You know, and he's just, this is just like after church and he's the nicest guy in the world. And yeah. I just went, I love that. I have a pastor with that type of accountability. Just come up to me straightforward. What are you doing? And it, and it was really like, uh, you know, for someone like me who, who is stubborn and has to be told three times before he gets it and, you know, really likes to talk and not listen too much, uh, which the Lord's working on me on that. It just gets right to the heart of the matter of no, what every day, what are you doing for Christ? What, how are you walking out your, uh, sanctification? How are you walking out your witness? And that accountability doesn't happen on a YouTube stream. That was my whole point. Right. Right. It doesn't happen on a live stream or a website or a TV mm-hmm. preacher. So yeah, I'm sorry. I got off track, but brought it back. No, to no, you're good. Thing of, yeah. We need that accountability. We need to be meeting in person. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Um, so we're, we're moving right along. Um, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. Uh, that's, that's very similar to what my pastor would say. Um, cause he, he's a wonderful pastor. Um, anyway, so, uh, along with those those lines, how is it that that we as Christians, with all the things that we talked about, with the with accountability, with um, not bowing to the 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 mandates and the and the the Rona squeezels um, commands and everything? <laughs> there's a there's a whole inside joke with the squeezels. Um, I don't know but, what that uh, is, but I already like the sound of it. <laughs> I'll tell you about it later. Okay. Off camera. Ooh, I like yeah. the off camera ones. All right. Right. Bonus um, content guys. That's right. That's right. Bonus content. <laughs> you put that, up a paywall. Uh, you get to know what squeezels are. If you pay, <laughs> I don't, I don't do paywalls, but if you want to donate, that's yes. Same here. Um, Good man. <laughs> uh, so uh, along with all that, and, and you mentioned that you are a, you're in real estate. Yeah. Not only are you a County commissioner, but you're in real estate and correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that is called a uh, covenant. Um, covenant real, real estate. estate. Yep. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, along we, we, with, go ahead. 
No, I say along with it was a great play on words too, because an actual legal contract when you purchase or sell a home is called a covenant. And title passes covenant deed, and then of course covenant theology, covenant of God. It was it was there for the taking. I mean, why you got to call it covenant real estate, right? Right. Yeah, that's that's an <laughs> awesome name. Uh, so if you would kind of uh, as an encouragement to those uh, men who are seeking to start businesses for the glory of God. How is it that, that we take the things that we uh, talked about and that play into the fact that we are to be, you know, providers for our family. We are to, to seek to glorify God and to build things that last <clears throat> hashtag post mill. No. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on, on, on that? How would you encourage a young man that's, that's seeking to build a business? Cause I just started a business myself and I would like to encourage others to do the same. Yeah. What, what's your business? What'd you start? So I started uh, Adkins Home Services, LLC. It's a a handyman service in uh, Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, that's that's actually really huge up here in Michigan because there's so many jobs where large contractors won't take them because they deem them too small. But too small of a job could be a five to seven thousand dollar job. And then it's like someone like you wants to go in there, go yeah, give me five six of those uh, every couple weeks. I'm I'm fine with that, you know. So yeah, that's cool. I don't know what the market is like in Kentucky. I'm hoping to be licensed in Kentucky by next year. I'm licensed in Michigan and Ohio right now, but boy, there's some prime uh, recreational land in Kentucky that isn't too awfully expensive on that 75 corridor. And yeah. I work a lot with uh, Bass Pro Shop to to get hunters and snowmobilers and conservationists into recreational land. So who, who knows? Awesome. Maybe maybe we'll be doing a, some deals uh, next year if I get some property down there and I need a handyman. So uh, but Keep very cool that you started that. Uh, I'll tell you one. Well, one thing is, um, you know, my story was I was an account manager for a Fortune 500 company for 10 years, nine years, something like that. <clears throat> my wife was pregnant with our firstborn. Uh, she's now 14. And uh, my father approached me and said, hey, I got this little niche thing going in real estate. You've been in real estate for a few years. And before that, uh, growing up, he owned a computer wholesale business, sold that, got into real estate. And he goes, I, I got this niche thing I'm doing where I'm doing like valuation reports for uh, banks and stuff. Would you want to come work with me? And I was making six figures as a late 20s guy. I was on the VP track for the corporation. I thought I was going to do that for the rest of my life. I had health insurance. My wife and I, and my dad and I have the same personality. So we're both loud, stubborn, you know, and, and when you're late 20s, you, you just bang heads with your dad anyway. And I didn't really want to, you know, be stuck in an office looking over reports with my father. I mean, it was nothing I wanted to do. And we prayed about it. And the more I thought about it and prayed about it, there was just some things that happened to where we felt that the Lord was saying, yeah, move in that direction. And, uh, for three years, uh, did, did what were called broker priced opinions. I'm not going to get too technical on it, but it was something that no one else was doing. And it was very lucrative for those three Mm. years. Um, and, basically jumped off the deep end, didn't have health insurance, didn't have a salary, just had to start working for myself. Right. Um, I right. say all that to say, if, if you're starting a business, as you know, there is some point to where you have to jump off the cliff and then yeah. dive into, you know, the waters below. Now, before that Proverbs says that a man plans his steps, but what the Lord orders his path. And yeah. that's actually very temporal. When you read that in the original Hebrew, it's saying, um, a man is going to plan when, but the Lord is going to take him how far or, or how long, right? You can look right. at it that way too. And it's a beautiful thing to where as entrepreneurs, as business owners, yes, we should absolutely plan. We can't plan for every contingency. There's going to be stuff that comes up. Mm-hmm. We should plan. And then as long as those plans align with the decrees and the laws and the precepts of God, then God goes, okay, now I'm going to order your path. So it's a two, it's a yes and. It's a absolutely plan. We're not going to go all charismatic and just go, I'm going to stand in faith. The Lord's going to have someone donate a million dollars to my business. And (laughs) that's how we're going to build the new, right? No, he requires you to plan. He requires you to have the education and the drive and the discernment and the wisdom and the networking and the resources, plan those things. And then the Lord goes, okay, but I'm going to order your path. So it's going to take you here or here or over here or in this area where you didn't think you were going to go. So this really crazy cool thing where there's, you know, just like our theology, uh, uh, we're responsible yet God is sovereign. He wants us to plan, but he takes us down the path. It's like, how does that work? Well, 
you know, we can get into a two hour conversation on that. So, it, so, so for new business, new business owners, entrepreneurs plan, have a plan A, B and C. Don't put all your right. eggs in one basket. Don't have a plan A. It's going to work out because I guarantee you're going to have to fall back on plan B and C. If you're doing construction or, you know, you're doing, um, uh, home repairs and things like that also have something going to where, well, guess what? If another, um, pandemic hits, um, I also do air purification. I also do, you know, whatever it is, there has to be a plan B and C. And I stress yeah. that a lot, uh, with entrepreneurs don't, don't just go down one road. Um, but also trust God in those things. And then, mm. you know, be godly about your business. What are some yep. godly attributes of a business? Well, God says you have to pay your, uh, employees what they're worth. Anything else, it's evil onto you. You have yep. to give God what uh, God deserves or counted evil onto you, James says. Um, there is hard work. There's early to, early to rise, early to bed. There's time management. There's organization. Read through the Proverbs, man. Proverbs oh, yeah. will tell you everything you need to know about running a business. And you go, well, I don't hear business <laughs> mentioned once. Are you kidding me? The sluggard is in his bed going, oh, there's... There's a line in the streets. I can't go to work today. You know what that is? That's people going, I'm a victim. I can't do it. It's too hard. Oh, they'll never buy my product. I can't, they won't sell my service. I can't get that networking opportunity. No, the slugger does that. The fool does that. Mm -hmm. God tells you, go out, work hard, have ethic, build things, have dominion over the things that he's given us dominion over for the glory of God, and slowly build them. I would say, thirdly, you're not going to see it happen overnight and be prepared to fail miserably many, many, many times. And I thank no. God for every one of my failures because I've learned exponentially more when I failed than when I've succeeded. And I know that sounds cliche. Every person out there that has, you know, these motivational influencer, TikTok, whatever says it, but it's so yeah. true. People say it, but they don't want to do it. No one wants right. to go to a business networking event and they go, Hey, how's it going? And you go, Oh, I just tried something new for my business. Probably set me back six months and I lost 10 grand. No one wants <laughs> to open. Are you kidding me? No one wants, you know what I mean? You, you got to go, oh, it's going great. Business is good. How can I help? You know, no, be yeah. ready for, for the setbacks and the failures. Be ready to talk about them openly and admit them. I've had that where I've had to admit that. And the guy goes, oh, I was in that same situation. You know what I did? And he had learned something different than I did. I used that and avoided that in the future by just having that conversation. Yeah. That's so awesome. those, those three points I would say are my, are my biggest, uh, probably examples that I live by or guide guidelines, if you want to say. Yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's kind of what I've taken from, you know, that this isn't my first business venture, but it is my first official LLC. So yeah, I'm pretty excited. Here's another thing too. If you got a family, you got, you got to take risks within reason. Now, if it was just you, mm -hmm. you're married, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. How many kids? None. None, None yet. Okay. I, I got married in June of last year. Oh, well, congratulations, man. Thank you. Honeymoon phase. I love it. So yeah. it goes in stages. You own a business and it's just yourself. It is a free for all. Take those risks as much as you can. Sleep on a buddy's couch. Go without food for two days. Take your extra $50, invest it, whatever it is. You have a yeah. wife. It's a little bit different. You now mm -hmm. have to provide for your wife, tend to her, but still without kids, you, you can have a little more risk there, right? Mm -hmm. As soon as you have children, it's, it's the third level of, okay, as the man in my house, I have to take care of my wife, my kids. I tell people that they say, Hey, you want to go do this or go do that? Go to this trip or go hunting out West. And I go, guys, I have a hundred dollar a month toilet paper habit, a uh, $400 a month braces habit. I, you know, kids are expensive, right? So yeah. there's things that you can't do in business with your capital and income. So I would say that's important as well too, is especially someone like you, young, you and your wife, if you're both on board with it, take the risks now, because when you start having children and things like that, harder to do those things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, that's, that's really encouraging. Um, so how long have you been in the, the real estate? Uh, this is my 13th year. Nice. Yep. So I've been doing it a while and I will, and it's, and here's the good side. So I get told you all the bad side, your failures, you're going to spend a lot of money. You're going to work twice as hard as everyone else. You're going to get no awards sent to you because you own the dang business. So you can't give right. yourself an award. That's really <laughs> weird and creepy. Right. So <laughs> it's thankless. It's long hours. Right. But here's the good part of it. You work for yourself. And I've told people, unless the Lord moves me out of real estate, I'll probably be doing real estate, you know, a week before I die, just because it allows me uh, a lot of freedoms. 
and, and right. this was the providence of the Lord. When, when I said I didn't want to do it, and then I look back 12 years ago, oh my gosh, I was able to run for county commissioner, win that election in 16, 18, 20, 22, and hopefully this year when I run. I was a lot, I was able to homeschool my children. Not one of them has stepped foot into a government school, and Praise my oldest is 14. I was able to uh, find a church. I'm able to go to Bible studies. I'm able to go to conferences. I'm able to have a podcast, and you go, you know, the flip side of that is too, I go camping and, you know, they're down at the lake and daddy's on a laptop trying to close a deal. But guess what? I close that. And then I go meet him at the lake. Like most right. guys have to work, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. They're clocking in, they're away from their kids. Mm -hmm. I had a, I'll tell you a funny story really quick. My son's nine and we're listening to Detroit sports radio because he's a big football fan. Now he plays pop Warner football. He's in his second year, third or there'll be third year in August. So he goes, how long do these guys talk for? I said, well, there's different, there's different segments. You know, these guys are on from two o'clock until six o'clock. They don't talk, you know, he goes from two to six. I mean, that's like all day. He has to work all, all day. And I go, Oliver, his name's Oliver. I go, that's only four hours. And he goes, yeah, but when you go out in your office, you're only out there for a couple hours. I go, most, most guys work an eight hour shift minimum. My brother's on, you know, six twelves right now. Like right. We, he doesn't even understand how blessed he is to have his dad around almost every day, all day. And there's times I go out and I have to be with clients and, you know, meetings and stuff. Right. But it's just a blessing. So I say all that to say the benefits of it are there's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of uh, freedom to do godly things when you own your own business, if you're running it correctly. And I thank God for that every day. I don't see myself being able to go back and work for anyone ever, unless the Lord, you know, through the Holy Spirit goes, hey, you have to go work for that person. I'm like, Lord, please keep me where I'm at. I'm very grateful. He provides just enough uh, that we don't go without, but not too much to where I don't, I start thinking I don't need God. And that's my, that's actually my prayer. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact, I will never be a millionaire or a billionaire because the Lord knows I don't have that type of self-control. I'd probably get really stupid with it. So Lord, give right. me just enough, right? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Oh man. Well, brother, it has been an absolute blast to have you on. Uh, if you could throw out your uh, your socials and everything so everybody can know where to find you and everything. Oh, yeah. And thanks for having me on, man. We're going to have to, when we get offline here, uh, figure out something, too, where you can jump on Dead Men and we'll we'll get a little bit more into you. I know I took up most of your time here talking. Oh, no, no. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Dead Men, Dead Men Walking Podcast anywhere. Um, the only handle that isn't is uh, X Twitter X and that's real DMW podcast. And I'm really mad that I couldn't get that last one. Cause I'm really all about, uh, continuity and branding. So if yeah. you type in dead men, M E N not dead man, there's another gentleman that has a, uh, I started mine three months before we joke back and forth. He's a Christian <laughs> apologist. This is dead man walking. Mine's dead men walking, but you type in dead men walking on Google. You're going to find me on, you know, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, uh, rumble, all the places, Facebook, um, and then dmwpodcast.com is where you can go if you want to check out um, our merch, a little bit more about me. I'll be updating that website, too, in the next few weeks. There, Oh, look at that. Cheers, yeah. my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, brother. Yeah, I like it. Um, uh, dmwpodcast.com there. But, uh, yeah, anywhere you want to listen for podcasts, they come through there. YouTube channel, Dead Men Walking Podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. All right, brother. I appreciate you. Uh, and with that, God bless. Thanks, Rand. Real quick, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It is so much fun to make, but it's definitely not free, and it takes a lot of work. If you feel this has been helpful, please consider donating by clicking the Donate tab under the podcast notes. Lord willing, much more to come.